This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. We're uh, going to be looking at uh, a gospel story today from the Gospel of John as we bring to conclusion this message series on forgiveness. We've talked about how that uh, we can forgive too soon. We've talked about the reality of how difficult and tough things happen to us in life and how that forgiveness is not about letting that go or excusing that action. We've talked about the benefits of forgiveness, though, and how that releasing forgiveness is a blessing not just for the one that's forgiven, but particularly for the one that is able to forgive. And today, we're going to talk about those steps toward forgiveness and reconciliation that all of us can take as we look at this drama, this drama of forgiveness played out for us from the Gospel of John, the 8th chapter. I invite you to look at these words with me. Early in the morning, he, being Jesus, came again to the temple. All the people came to him and sat down. He began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and making her stand before all of them. They said to her, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They said this to test him so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go on your way. And from now on, do not sin again. Well, this morning we're looking at this amazing story in the gospel. And we reflect and we think. I'm going to move this. We think about. Three different roles that we can play. The first role we can play is the role of the accuser. The religious leaders, the religious scholars, the scribes and the Pharisees are playing this role in this story. They bring before Jesus this woman caught in adultery. Have you ever wondered why They just bring the woman and not the man. 
Sometimes in our judgment and our accusation against other people, we can be very selective, can't we? And who's going to get it? And, and who's not? In this case, they bring a woman and they stand her in front of Jesus. And they say to her, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now, the law of Moses says that we are to stone such women. What do you say? Now, it's not that they really have hate for the woman. They have hate for Jesus. Because Jesus has come on the scene and he's throwing things upside down. Jesus has come to this scene and he's, he, he is someone that has love and care and mercy for people that mess up. And Jesus is a threat to their religious order and their power. And so she's being used as kind of a political pawn, if you will. The hatred that they feel in their heart, yes, toward the woman, but much more so toward Jesus. Lewis Mead says that Hate is a tiger snarling in the soul. Hate is a sign that we are sick and we need to be healed. Hate does not want to change things for better. It wants to make things worse. And the Buddha said that hate is like grasping a hot coal in your hand with the intent of throwing it at someone else while you're the one getting burned. And so this, this role that we play, this, this role of the accuser, we do that in detriment to ourself. You ever wonder sometimes, why is it that we live in this world where there's so much accusation and so much adversarial relationships and how there's so much drama and why things have to be as difficult as they are. You ever wonder about that? You know, as I read the Scripture and as I think about life sometimes, I think that there's an unspoken presence. There's someone that's behind the scenes that tends to operate and, and cause these things to happen. And, and we know him as the evil one or the devil or, or Satan. Now, it's interesting to me that the word devil, the name itself, means accuser. Kind of accusing spirit. The devil's kind of like a prosecuting attorney. I'm not saying at all prosecuting attorneys are of the devil. Didn't say that. But the devil is a kind of a prosecuting attorney that has a way of inciting hate and violence and retribution. This accusatory spirit is something that's very much alive and well in our culture. It can, be, it can be alive in our community, in our spirits, and in our world. Where one act of adultery can lead to another in retribution. Uh, one act of violence tends to lead to more violence. One murder can lead to a couple more killings. And so this accusatory spirit seems to be very much at work in this story in the gospel and in the story of our lives. The other name for the devil is Satan, and Satan means opponent or adversary. 
An adversarial spirit is opposed to forgiveness. An adversarial spirit is against the whole idea, is diametrically opposed to forgiveness because forgiveness insists that the other person is a human being too. Made in the image of God and may be closer to us than we think. We may be more like them than we care to admit. And so this whole idea of the accuser. You know, sometimes we have to blow the whistle. Sometimes we have to bring things into the light. But that's a different matter than living with an accusatory spirit and a hate that can continue to control our lives. Now, there's also the accused. There's the woman that stands in this circle, surrounded in this case by men wanting her to be stoned. She's the political pawn here. She's being sabotaged. She's guilty. But she's not the only one that's guilty. Ever been blindsided by that? Ever been the accused? Ever been falsely accused? Ever been rightly accused? Where someone caught you and you're guilty and you're looking into the eyes that are as cold as hell. Ever been in that situation? Ever been that person? And the toughest thing is to be accused and to know you're guilty and to suffer from your own self-recrimination where you've done things that you know you shouldn't have done. You've got regrets. And you've been carrying this around with you for a long time. You failed to do the things that you should have done. You should have said that word when you were given the opportunity. You should have been acting on behalf of another when you didn't. But you let it slide. Self-recrimination when you're not just simply the accused but the accuser, is probably one of the most difficult places to be in life. One of my favorite movies is uh, The Mission. The Mission came out about three decades ago. It's a story of a Catholic mission which shelters some of the natives of South America from the colonial empirical movements of European nations. And in this story, Robert De Niro stars as the mercenary, as a guy who has brutally killed and harmed the native people, as well in a fit of rage, killing, killing his own brother. And so in the midst of all this, in this self-recrimination, Jeremy Irons, the priest, comes to him and offers him redemption, offers him a sense of forgiveness, and offers him penance, whereas De Niro's character does not believe it's possible. So Diedrich Bonhoeffer says that he who is alone in his own sin 
is utterly alone. So we remain alone with our sin, living in lies and hypocrisy. Penance, what we just saw, played out in the movie. It's something that we Protestants, non-Catholics, we don't understand very well. Penance isn't designed to earn God's favor or forgiveness. Penance is designed to create a movement in our heart where we place ourselves in that place where we can receive forgiveness and live a new life. Some of us, perhaps all of us at different times, have been carrying this heavy load around. It's, it's called guilt. And sometimes we can't cut free of that ourselves. We, we need community. We need brothers and sisters. We, we need people to help us, to free ourselves, to be liberated. Where that load is completely gone. And we are free. Jesus Christ was the greatest liberator of all. That's, that's the third role here. That's, that's what is always necessary for forgiveness to occur. There, there has to be a liberator. And Jesus came to this earth as the ultimate deliverer from sin. I mean, Jesus was all about that. Jesus cries out on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And in that resurrection appearance, where Jesus appears to the disciples, when they're locked out of fear of the Jews, locked up, do you remember what He does to them? He comes to them and He gives them His peace and He breathes on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then He says this, whosoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. And whoever sins you don't forgive, they're not forgiven. They're retained. But if you don't forgive, Jesus asks this question. What are you going to do with them? What are you going to do with them? What are you going to do with the sins of other people? What are you doing with the sins of other people? What are you doing with your own sins? And so in this story, Jesus is confronted with the question, what do you say, Jesus? What do you say? The law says to stone her. What do you say? And Jesus gets on the level with the woman. And he actually writes in the ground with his finger. And they keep asking the question, what do you say, Jesus? What do you say? And then Jesus straightens up and He says those words from elsewhere. Those words that nobody could see coming. Those words that are so full of compassion and wisdom that they had to be something not of this world. That stops the accusers in their tracks. It stops us in our tracks. He says, let the one, yeah, let the one who's never sinned. You be the first to throw a stone at her. It's like Jesus is holding up a mirror right in front of us. 
and he has us to look into our own lives. It's like Jesus hands them a video tape of let them see their own scenes in their own life, looking into their own heart. Some suggest that as Jesus is writing on the ground, he might have been writing their own sins, the sins of the accusers, where all could see. But one by one, they drop their stones. Now, Jesus takes a big risk here, doesn't he? Jesus doesn't force forgiveness. And they could, have, they could have chosen to hurl the stone. Sometimes the stones get hurled. God takes a great risk on us, doesn't He? Because God gives us the choice of what way we're going to live. But in this story, in this one drama, the elder drops the stone. And one by one, others drop their stones. Where one act of forgiveness or one act of mercy can influence another person. And one by one, the stones are dropped. Where Jesus is left alone with the woman and he says to her, Woman, where are they? Where are your accusers? Who's left to condemn you? No one, sir. Neither do I. Neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Lynette Lewis uh, was one of those persons who spoke at our Good Friday worship service where we had the seven words or sayings of Jesus correlated with another person at Schweitzer. And they were talking about how this word of Jesus related to their life. And the word that Lynette was given was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And let Lynette personalize that where she said, 30 years ago in worship, it finally came to me. I realized that he had included me in his forgiveness, that I was a free person, that I was released and I knew that I had been liberated from this Jesus, from the sin of, by this Jesus. As he says before that, when I was 17 years of age, as a young woman in London, England, I was on a bus. And this woman refused to sit by me, the only seat that was left. And so the bus driver forced this woman off the bus because she was not physically able to go in the upper deck. But then Lynette said, you know what? I didn't realize at the time, but Jesus, he died for that woman too. And then in 1966 in Topeka, Kansas, when I was ready to become an RN, I was told by the person in authority over me, you better go do something else or just settle for an LPN position because, well, you're just better off not to pursue that. And she was going to bring a lawsuit and then she... She didn't realize at the time, she said, that, yeah, Jesus, his sacrifice was for that person too. See, when you and I become liberated, when we are set free, 
We become liberators. How free are you today? Have you, have you been set free from your bondage, your, your guilt, your, your sin? Have you received the full mercy and grace of God, of Jesus? Do you know that mercy and that forgiveness? If you do, what's holding you back from extending that for other people? Max Lucado says that the key to forgiving others is to quit focusing on what someone did to you and start focusing on what God did for you. And so this morning, each of us were handed a stone, a rock. What does the stone represent to you? Are there names of people that you need to write on the stone? Names of people that you hold something against. Names of people that you need to forgive, you may forgive, you want to forgive, or maybe you don't. Or maybe you need to write on the stone an event. Something had happened to you, a terrible thing. And that's what your stone represents. Maybe your stone is about your self-recrimination, where you have your own guilt, and maybe you don't have one stone, you have lots of stones that you're carrying around with you. Who of us does not have regret? And maybe you're the worst accuser of all, and your accusation is on yourself. And it's time to let it go. Hmm. A couple of weeks ago, I was back in St. Joseph, Missouri. I, we lived there for five years as a family. It was not the best experience in our life. And I drove past the old house where we used to live, and my heart was filled with regret. So I've always been a pretty good pastor, always been pretty good at at least being there for parishioners, but what I felt so regretful about that night was there used to be a little boy that lived in that house, and he used to come out, and he wanted me to play catch with him. And sometimes I did, but I didn't do it enough. There was a little girl who used to come out and climb this tree, and sometimes I, I wouldn't pause enough and talk with her. So I have some regrets as a father. And, uh, and I just choose to drop that recrimination against myself. The other night, 3 o'clock in the morning, I woke up and, and there was this, this clarity. It must have been from the Holy Spirit. You have been doing this to several different people over the years. It was very clear. And it was... It was not a heavy thing, but it was a, clearly something I'd been doing. And I just released it. I dropped it and let it go in the middle of the night. Is there something that's keeping you up in the middle of the night? Is there something 
that you're doing in your life that you once did and you, you've let go of that, but you, you can't let go of the guilt? Is there something you're holding against someone? You may need to hold on to your stone. You may need to take it home with you. You may need to still write, write names or an event there and, and, and deal with that a while. You may need to sit with that a while. But if you are ready today, if you're ready, you're invited to drop the stone. What I visualize in this time of worship is that uh, there's a circle of stones that's created and it comes out clear around here on the floor too. And the stones are important. The rocks that we drop are important because it's important to remember those things, not to forget those things. But the stones represent that we choose not to be those who hurl stones. But we are people that choose to drop them and to release them. And that we are a forgiven people. And we are a forgiving people. So this morning, in this time of worship, as the praise band comes and begins to lead us into a time of worship, you're invited, if you want to, to come and just... Grow this circle of stones. Remembering that uh, Jesus says the words, let anyone who's without sin cast the first stone. And so whether you're the one that's accused or the accuser, (laughs) whether you're the one that's been bruising others or been bruised, His words to all of us is the same. Neither do I condemn you. I don't condemn you. Go leave that life. Go leave that life of sin. You may come and drop your stone this morning.